Well, hey, everybody, welcome to week three in our summer break series, where today uh, I want to talk about rest. And one of the things that I want to talk about is not necessarily just physical rest, but I want to talk about mental rest because I feel like a lot of us need help with some mental rest right now. And if you're like me, sometimes those summer vacations that you take don't really help you feel rested. Uh, Sometimes it's because of the places that you go. Sometimes it's because of the people that you go with. Um, So just because you go on vacation doesn't mean that you feel rested. But if you're like me, We've come through a season where I think a lot of us, and I think I could probably speak for you, that we feel heavy emotionally. We feel heavy mentally, and there's a lot going on, and mentally, we just don't feel rested very often. So if you're physically tired, we know, hey, you can just go take a nap, and you'll feel better. But if you're mentally tired, what do you do about that? So I want to talk today about how we can feel mentally rested. And the question that I want us to wrestle with and that I really want to uh, provide some clarity on is how can we experience mental rest amongst all the shouting? All the shouting. And it's like our world has been reduced to sides and everybody is shouting about their side because they want to be heard. And if you've ever stood in a group of people who were shouting really loudly or you've watched people who were shouting at each other or if you've shouted at somebody and you're in the middle of all that, it is just very, very confusing and disorienting listening to lots of shouting. And that's really what describes our culture right now. If you watch the news, if you're on social media, if you get your news from Twitter like I do, it's just somebody trying to make a point and they're shouting. And so the question that I really want us to put our arms around is, hey, how can we experience a mental rest amongst all the shouting that we're listening to right now? So here's why this is important. This is important because when we feel worried, <clears throat> we feel weak. When you feel worried, you feel weak. I, I do. When I'm worried about something, I don't feel confident. I don't feel strong. I don't feel rested. I, I kind of just feel weak in those moments. But here's what I also know, is when I feel rested, I feel resilient. When you feel rested, you are much more resilient. And, and more importantly, when your mind is rested, you feel resilient. Like when you've got, a, when you're in like a good state of peace and, you know, um, uh, things aren't, you know, spiraling mentally for you, but you're kind of just in a solid place where it's, you just feel rested and clear. You're much more resilient in those moments. And that's important to be resilient. I think God wants us to be resilient people. And I think it begins with getting some rest mentally. So Pastor Ike Patterson and I were talking recently in an interview, and I, was, I asked him the question, um, what makes people feel overwhelmed? And 
Ike gave me several examples of things that make people feel overwhelmed. So I want you to picture in your mind, a lot of you make breakfast shakes in the morning because they're super healthy and you can add the ingredients that you like and you can, you know, flavor it just the way that you want it and it's good for your body and all this stuff. But I, I want you to just imagine, if you will, with me just for a few minutes that imagine the mental shake that you make for yourself in the morning and think about these ingredients. And this is what Ike said that makes us feel overwhelmed. The first ingredients that we add to our shake in the morning that really can just knock us off kilter is sometimes our identity issues. Our identity issues. If we've experienced loss, pain, regret, and we carry that around, what happens is it leads to distorted views of ourselves. And then we begin to think in distorted ways about ourselves. And it's almost like we live, but we limp while we're living. And if we never come to terms with these identity issues, and if we never develop a healthy uh, identity of who we are, it's not good. So this is, you know, uh, a spoonful of identity issues that we have that's going on mentally that causes us to just have some unrest there. The second thing is our unrealistic expectations. Sometimes we have unrealistic expectations of ourselves, and sometimes other people have unrealistic expectations of us. And here's what happens. When we don't fulfill those expectations that we have of ourselves or others have of us, we feel incompetent. And, and we feel like a failure. We feel like we let ourselves down. We feel like we let others down. And if we have unrealistic expectations and we don't recognize that, that can cause a lot of mental anguish where we don't experience rest. And this is where we need to get back to asking the question, are the expectations that I have of myself, do they allow me to be the person that I want to be? Are the expectations that I have of myself allow me to operate according to my personal core values for who I want to be and who I feel God wants me to be? So as you can imagine in the morning, if you're making your mental shake and you're mixing up identity issues with unrealistic expectations, and then finally the third ingredient, <laughs> the third ingredient is relentless change, relentless change. And that's the season of life that we're in right now. This is, re relentless change is when you wake up every day and there's a new challenge and it feels like a new threat. And here's how your brain and my brain is wired. Our brains are wired to help us survive. And because they're wired to help us see the tiger in the bush and, and, and run for safety to try to protect ourselves, we see threats much easier than we see the good. And so what happens is our stress response kicks on all the time and the compounding effect of challenges and change and challenges and change and challenges and change. Our brain is going threat, 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 threat. And the compounding effect of that is that we're stressed. So imagine identity issues, unrealistic expectations and relentless change Pouring that in your mental shake every morning and drinking that. And you can understand why we have mental just chaos right now. So the question that I want to ask you 
And the question that has led me as I've been studying this over the last few weeks is what would Jesus say to this situation? What would Jesus say to us who are struggling mentally in a season where we do not have clarity, we do not feel a sense of rest, and by all accounts, we think walking into the summertime that we should you know, feel some rest and vacation when that's just not the case. What, what would Jesus say? Well, I think Matthew had some wonderful, wonderful words of encouragement that he recorded Jesus saying one time in the scriptures. And I love, love, love um, what Jesus said. And here is what he said. For those of us who feel worry, worried and, and anxiety and, and uh, no mental rest, this is what Jesus said. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Here's what I think is very interesting about this passage. This is encouraging to me. I don't know if it is for you, but this is encouraging to me just reading this. But notice Jesus says, come to me. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, hey, go to God. <laughs> go go to God when you're weary. That's not what he said. He said, come to me. Now he was the God man, but here's what I think he was communicating. I think he's communicating, listen, I can identify with your humanity when you're tired because I am the God, the God man. I was raised, I was raised from the dead, but I understand And I understood what it was like to be human. Now, this is why I want you to come to me. Getting rest, here's what I also noticed about this verse. It's a very personal thing. And it happens with us in Jesus. And he says, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you. Now, here's what I think Jesus meant by that. I think he meant, you know, I can just imagine him right now going, you know, looking out into the fields that were probably near whereby he was teaching. And I could imagine him seeing a farmer out there trying to plow his field. And here's how he did it. He took a big animal like an ox and he took this harness that Jesus calls a yoke and he would put that harness on the shoulders of that animal. And here's what would happen. The animal would essentially surrender its will to be led. And he would surrender his will. They would put the harness over the top of the shoulders of the animal, and he would pull whatever equipment behind him that would help plow the field or do whatever farmers do, right? But here's... Here's the power that I think he's getting at. And and this is what I think he's saying. Just like that animal, I think Jesus says, here's where rest comes in. I want you to understand that surrendering your will and following my leadership leads to rest. When an animal has to surrender its will, allow this 
piece of equipment to come over its shoulders and be led by a human being who is directing his steps, he's able to become useful. And here's what I hear Jesus saying. I want, I'm not going to force my yoke upon you. I'm not going to force, you know, you to have it, but, but here's what I know. If you will willingly choose it and take it, it will provide when, when you follow my leadership, It will allow rest for your souls because here's how leadership works in our life. Here's how following Jesus' leadership works in our life. When you look at Jesus' life, one of the reasons that that he was such a profound person outside the, the fact that he was God in the flesh was that never once in the Gospels that I've ever read where Jesus was in a hurry. It's not in there. And I've been doing this for 26 years. Never read that in the scriptures. But one of the things that helped Jesus live a life of rest is because he lived a life of purpose. And what purpose does for you and me, his purpose was to seek and save the lost. For me and you, here's what purpose does. Purpose acts like the magnet. I don't know if you've ever done this before. Have you ever played with two magnets and had them side by side and how they just kind of you know, attract to each other. You know, if you flip them over, they kind of, you know, it's hard to make them, you know, stick. But, but, but magnets, if you turn them the other way, the right way, they just, boom, they just attract to each other. And what happens with purpose is when we understand our purpose, and, and our purpose is like our, our thumbprint with Jesus. Our, all of our purposes are unique in his eyes. But what happens is when you discover yours, it acts as a magnet and it pulls you into the future. It inspires you into the future. It motivates you into the future. And part of the experience of rest that we feel is we don't feel like we're just plodding. Every step is our own. No, 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 no. When we have purpose, it pulls us through a lot of that difficulty and actually gives us a sense of rest because we recognize that we're giving our lives to something bigger. That is what Jesus is teaching. And I feel like what he's saying is this, when you surrender your will and you follow my leadership, I'm not gonna force it on you, but if you follow my leadership, it will, it, it will not be a burden but it'll be a blessing. I truly do believe that. In my personal life years ago, I feel like one of the mistakes that I made um, when I started following Jesus is that I saw Jesus as my savior, but not my leader. And for me, it was one of those uh, situations where I was kind of like, Jesus, you kind of stay in the corner Thank you for saving me, but I don't want you to kind of come out of that corner and get involved in the other areas of my life. I want you just to kind of stay there. Thank you for being my savior, but I'm not ready for you to be my leader. And I remember some experiences young in my life, and I remember going, you know what? I'm trying to do life my way, and it's not really working out, and guess what? I'm going to take the spiritual yoke on now. And I'm going to trust you to be my leader, and I'm just going to watch what happens. And I felt in my life for the first time this purpose kick in, and it felt like some horsepower, like the spiritual horsepower that I've never felt before 
and it felt amazing. And I just want to challenge you that some of you are kind of in this space right now in your life of Jesus is your Savior. And you've asked him to be that in your life, but you've never seen him as your leader. And I want to tell you that if you want some mental rest, try this. Look at one area of your life right now and go, I don't have rest in this area. And I'm going to ask you, take that area and ask Jesus to be your leader in that particular area. Just start there. Just start there. But here's my big idea. Here's my big idea. Jesus' leadership is a blessing and not a burden. And and I thought that for years. I thought, man, if I do what Jesus wants me to do in my life, it's not going to be any fun. It's not going to give me the joy that I feel like I should have or deserve. And I was so naive. And that was such limited thinking. And I had to recognize, you know what? Doing life God's way, living life in the Jesus way, surrendering my will to his leadership and taking the spiritual yoke on. I had no idea the amount of mental clarity that I would experience, the energy that I would feel, and the rest that I would receive. And I just want to challenge you to think about this and process this. Jesus' leadership is a blessing and not a burden. And if you don't resonate with that, if that doesn't really coincide with what you believe right now, I'm going to ask you to test him and try him with just one area of your life. Hey, just say, Jesus, come out of the corner just a little bit. (laughs) You know, don't get all over here, but just kind of take one step in this little area of my life that's confusing, it's racking my nerves, and I don't know what to do. In that situation, I'm willing to trust to you, and I want you to help me because I want to release it to you, and I want you to lead me in that area of my life. Just, Just try that. Well, I've got some action steps, and these are action steps when it comes to getting mental clarity and getting mental rest, which is what we all need, especially in this season of of our lives. These are some action steps that have worked for me in my life as I follow Jesus' leadership to the best of my ability through the Holy Spirit's power. These are some things that I've tried, that I've done that I want to share with you, and hopefully they can be helpful for you because they've been certainly very helpful for me. So number one, control what you can control. When it comes to mental rest, you need to control what you can control. And here's what I mean by that. You need seven to nine hours of sleep every night. Your body was built that way. And if you're not getting seven to nine hours of sleep, you are not gonna be mentally rested, period. So understand that your body needs that and do that. Second thing I'll say is this. You need to move your body in aerobic exercise. You just do. And what happens when you do, and I'm not a, you know, a physical trainer and I got a whole lot, a long way to go, but here's what I know about this. Is that I remember six months ago, I posted a uh, post on Instagram uh, of of the reasons why I've felt personal anxiety in my life and how I dealt with it and how I processed it and how I maneuvered through it when I felt that in my life. And and many people messaged me and said, Eric, one of the ways that I deal with anxiety is I exercise. 
and the endorphins that happen in the brain, they can change mood, they can change our state, they can change things like anxiety and depression. It's amazing what just, what you can control can help you get mental rest. So start there. I mean, let's don't make it a spiritual issue yet, although your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But control what you can control first. Let's start there. The second thing that I want us to think about and and that has worked for me is think about what you think about. Think about what you think about. There's a verse in uh, 2 Corinthians that I love, and, and this has spoken to me for years. We take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. In other words, when a thought enters your mind, don't assume that it's true right out of the gate. You make it captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, when you think a thought, you go, Jesus, is this what you would teach? Or is this just some harebrained weird thing that just popped into my brain? Okay? So don't let people walk through, their, through your brain with their dirty feet. Take every thought captive to Christ and just evaluate it, filter it. Don't take it personal yet until you ask the question, is this thought, is it helping me or hurting me? Okay. Is this thought helping me or hurting me? Now, some thoughts we, we have will challenge us. And I'm not saying we avoid that. Well, sometimes we need to be challenged and have those thoughts, but by and large, Is this thought helping me or hurting me? When it comes to the fact that you're a child of God and your identity, that's really, really important. So whatever thoughts come into your mind that tell you anything other than the fact that you are loved and you are a child of God, that's a lie and they aren't true. So those thoughts need to be held captive to the obedience of Christ. Don't just let any thought come into your mind without evaluation. About... 15 years ago, uh, Acretia and I uh, remodeled a home in Charlotte and uh, when we lived there and I was serving a church there. And one of the things that we did, um, and I don't think it was a great idea, but we, we put new carpet in our house that was kind of light colored, like a light beige at that time because that was kind of in and you know, whatever. And so, um, and it looked beautiful. It was brand new. And, and one day I'm sitting there and somebody came to visit us and unbeknownst to, to them or myself, they had stepped in some mud outside and had walked on my brand new carpet in my house. And y'all, I about had a duck fit right there in my house. And I'm going, oh my gosh, this is our brand new carpet and he's got red mud tracked all through my new carpet. Well, I just made a, a, a rule right there. I said, anytime from now on, anybody comes over to my house, they're taking their shoes off. Shoes got to come off on the front porch. Now we're the kind of people that entertain a lot and we're the kind of, we have small groups over, we have all that kind of stuff. And so it would be so funny because people would come to my front door and say, hey, Eric, hey, good to see you. And I was like, great to see you too, but you're going to have to take your shoes off before you come in my house. And Cresha called me lots of names for doing that because she thought it was so rude. But here's the point. My carpet stayed clean after that. I want you to filter those thoughts that come into your mind and that challenge your identity, that make you think that you are anything other than a child of God who is dearly, dearly loved. To think about that what's so unique about me and you 
is we don't go looking for love. We live from a place of love. Does that make sense? Your life should not be spent looking for love. You're already loved. You just haven't, you don't, you don't understand that yet if you're struggling with that. We live as Christ followers from a place of love and that changes everything. So think about what you're thinking about and is this thought helping me or hurting me? Um, third, <clears throat> know your why. Know your why. Why did I start following Jesus in the first place? You know, when you're, when you're mentally off, when you're not quite there, when you're not rested, when life feels blurry and you're disoriented, life can just, you know, we, we can forget our why. We can forget why we followed Jesus in the first place. Why did I get married in the first place? Why did I have children in the first place? Why did I start my business in the first place? Why did I want to be a leader in the first place? Why did I go into ministry in the first place? Why did I pursue this dream in the first place? Go back to your why. And when you do, it will refresh. Oh, it's like a light comes on. That's why I started. That's why I gave my life to Christ. That's why I wanted to do this. That's why I wanted to do that. About 10 years ago, I went to uh, uh, Poland to a pastor's conference. I know that sounds weird, uh, but I'm kind of weird. So, <clears throat> But I went to Poland for the pastor's conference. And because I'm also, I think I've told you all this before, I'm a big uh, history fan, especially World War II. And um, I had the opportunity, I was going to be about an hour away from the Auschwitz concentration camp. And that's been a bucket list for me because I've always wanted to go and see that and experience it. Um, and it was such a powerful moment for me walking through Auschwitz, which as many of you probably know that that was an extermination camp during World War II that the Nazis created to just exterminate Jews and everybody else that did not fit their regime. Walking through this death camp was just, um, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And there's a gentleman who spent time in Auschwitz and he wrote a book, his name is Viktor Frankl, and he wrote a book called the Man's, A Man's Search for Meaning. And he spent time in Auschwitz and a lot of his family died at that camp and in other concentration camps. But he ended up surviving and living uh, a significant long, uh, a long life. But he said a quote that I just thought this was so powerful. Those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. Those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. If we can take a person who experienced a death camp, who remembered his why. We can experience a lot of how, how's that going to work? How are we going to get through that? How's that going to, you know, how's that going to affect our family? You know, how are we going to do this financially? There's a lot of hows we don't know, but whys we do. We can know our why. And, 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 and here's what whys allow us to do. I don't know if you guys watch tennis one of my favorite things to do in the summertime is to watch Wimbledon and, you know, a lot of tennis matches and stuff. I loved doing that when I was a kid. And one of the things that 
um, that, that I love to watch is the initial serve in a tennis match. Did you know that a serve in a tennis match is 148 miles an hour <laughs> toward another person with a tennis racket, right? So, but, but what's so interesting is before that person is getting ready to receive that serve in tennis, they're on the balls of their feet, they're ready, and they're not sure if they're going to have to, you know, forehand it back over the net or backhand, but their position is that they're on the balls of their feet, they're ready, they're squatted down, they're ready. They're centered, their body's ready to receive that and hit it. This is what wise help us. When we know our why, we're centered, we're ready, we're prepared, and we can step into the unknown. And that's the power of remembering your why. The next one, <clears throat> I want to challenge you to be courageous. Be courageous. And, and, and here's what I mean by that. When you're mentally um, frazzled, uh, when I'm mentally frazzled, we, we often feel very weak. And sometimes in those moments, we're afraid to be vulnerable with a trusted Christian friend because we want to have the perception that we have our stuff together. And sometimes that's just not the case. We're human. And I want to challenge you to be courageous when you need some mental rest and clarity to talk to a Christian friend. When, when we're mentally frazzled, we need the words of Jesus in our life. To talk to a Christian friend to say, hey, um, what's that like to be on the other side of me? Am I missing something? You know, are you noticing anything, you know, about me that I need to adjust or change? Or um, can I just tell you what's going on in my mind right now? And is that okay? And is that, am I going to be okay? And, I, you know, having somebody to talk to like that is so so important. Be courageous to be vulnerable with somebody who can handle your story. And recently I've been reading uh, Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, and I just thought she dropped just a piece of wisdom. She said, not everyone can bear the weight of your story. So make sure that the people that you're talking with and that you can be vulnerable with and courageous with can help give you some honest feedback and can carry the weight of your story. Next, the other thing that has helped me when I need mental rest is there's a book called Sacred Pathways that I highly ask, uh, would ask you to look at and read. But find your sacred pathway. Pay attention to what you're doing when you feel close to God. Are you writing? Are you walking? Are you driving? Are you spending time with your spouse or with your children? Or, you know, what is it that you're doing? Are you in nature? Are you around, you know, what are you doing when you feel close to God? And if you don't know that, start experimenting. This book is wonderful. It's got a lot of great ideas that you can try and experiment with to find your sacred pathway. But pay attention to what gives you energy and what helps you feel close to God because that's your sacred pathway. We're all wired differently. So find your sacred pathway. And finally, during this time, when it comes to getting mental rest, one of the things that I have uh, shared this with a number of friends recently in the past week, trade your expectations for appreciation. 
Trade your expectations for appreciation. Here's what I know about you, and here's what I know about me. We had a lot of expectations for this year, 2020. And I think we would all be honest to say those expectations did not happen. We had expectations of ourselves. We had expectations of our organizations. We had expectations of relationships. You had expectations of your children. You had expectations of your wife, your husband. You had all kinds of expectations, and they have not worked out. And consequently, because they haven't worked out, we're like, oh, I am disappointed. I'm frustrated because my expectations were not met. And I want to challenge you to flip the coin over. Flip the coin over and trade your expectations in this season for appreciation. What and who can you appreciate in your life? What and who can you appreciate in your life? If you're living in this realm where you're frustrated by missed expectations, you're going to be frustrated and it's going to be hard for you to see the good. When you go, you know what, in this season, I'm going to flip it and I'm going to live from a state of appreciation. You're able to appreciate people. You're able to appreciate the people that are closest to you. They're able to appreciate you because I'm sure you haven't met their expectations either. And we're able to appreciate even that God is doing something very different in our world right now, even though we don't understand it. So I want to just challenge you as we turn the corner and land the plane here. How would you show up differently if, if you were able to take the spiritual yoke that Jesus offers? He doesn't force it, but he offers And says, you know what, if you'll surrender your will and you'll follow my leadership, not just the fact that I've saved you, but my leadership, it will not be a burden, but it'll be a blessing. And he promises us, I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that you are a personal God, a personal Savior that recognizes and understands that we are going to be mentally tired, frightened, worried, disappointed, and all of that going on mentally is going to wear us out. And you knew it because you said you, you offer your help to those who are carrying heavy burdens. You knew we would be this way. Teach us. Teach us and help us to learn from you to surrender our will and to follow your leadership. And you promise that it'll, it'll be a blessing. In the power of Jesus' name I pray. Amen.